Welcome to our 2023 Market Outlook webcast. I'm Suma Nair, Chief Fiduciary Officer at Fiduciary Trust. I hope you and your family are enjoying an excellent start to the new year. In today's event, Fiduciary Trust Chief Investment Officer, Hans Olsen, will present our latest views on the economy and financial markets. He'll be joined by our President and CEO, Austin Shepard, and they will discuss specific questions on the minds of some of our clients. Over to you, Austin, to begin today's discussion. Thank you, Suma. Indeed, 2022 was an active year with negative uh, equity markets and fixed income markets. Um, but to here to offer some perspectives and some uh, points of view for the year ahead, 2023, I'm joined by my colleague, Hans Olsen. Hans? Austin, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, and I think what we'll do is I'll turn it over to you to walk through a few slides. And then at the end, maybe we'll have a little discussion and we'll get your, uh, your forecast uh, for the things that we are not expecting. Thanks, Austin. Yes, 2022 was a very difficult year indeed. It was a year in which asset prices across the globe were down. Large cap stocks, small cap stocks, meme stocks, Bitcoin, bonds of all flavor were all down last year. Uh, and it reflected an environment of, of fundamental change, a change in interest rate policy that was driven by an inflation problem that was truly global. This is clearly seen, this change of policy was clearly seen in the United States in a reversal of nearly a decades-long program of printing money and keeping interest rates near zero from the federal funds policy rate. This reversal, which really started last year, saw an 18-fold increase in the policy rate and the size of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet start to shrink. And as money was being printed and interest rates being, were, were suppressed, the price of financial assets went up. Last year, as the policy changed, financial assets across the board fell. And, and, and the value of those assets, the prices of those assets, was not, it was not simply an American affair. It was a global affair. As central banks around the world engage in a policy of normalizing interest rates and money. Uh, the task ahead is clearly seen when we look at the 10-year U.S. Treasury bond uh, and inflation adjust that bond. Normally, yields in the United States are, are positive. Uh, they, they, real yields are positive. That means that after inflation, you make money on holding in, uh, government debt. Well, over the last several years, that has not been the case. As, as yields fell because of uh, central bank policy and inflation rose, also in part because of central bank policy, the real yield in the U.S. Treasury got, to, got into negative territory to levels that we really haven't seen before. And it is that which is repricing now to get back to some semblance of normal. This is clearly seen, this, this relationship between positive real yields and negative yields uh, in when we look around the globe uh, at, at the stock of debt that exists that have a yield below zero. And this, this, this idea is ver seen very clearly uh, when we look at the global aggregate uh, quantum of negative yielding debt. A few years ago, it was roughly about $18 trillion. And over the last 12 months, it has gone to zero a state of play that existed pretty much continuously before 2014. So this is really what normalization uh, looks like when we go from negative debt uh, uh, to a positive yielding debt. 
Now, something very strange has also happened to uh, the earnings yield in the S&P 500. When you essentially look at the yield on the S&P 500 the same way that you would a, a treasury bond, essentially taking the price earnings multiple and flipping it over and adjusting that for inflation as well. What you see is something even rarer than you saw in the bond market. Uh, negative earnings yields on stocks is fundamentally a very, very rare occurrence. Over the last 70, 70 years, there's only been three occasions when it happened, and never to the extent that they've happened right now, to the, to the degree, never to the degree that yields are as negative as they are right now. And this is important because it, yields have to normalize in order for the equation of equity ownership to balance, to solve. Uh, as an equity owner, you basically are a residual owner of assets, uh, of the cash flow of a company. And if that cash flow, if the return on that cash flow cannot at least keep up with inflation, then the risk associated with that equity ownership, it just simply doesn't, it's not a fair shake. So the drivers of this normalization uh, that will unfold in the, in the months and quarters ahead will likely be a continuing uh, decline in equity multiples and has accompanied by a decline also in the inflation rate. Now, this all is going to get rather complicated if a recession unfolds, but essentially that's the path to normalization. When we look at that normalization, it already started last year in 2020. And that the, the decline, when you, when you take apart the elements of equity returns last year, the, the big driver of the 18% decline in the S&P 500 was roughly a 27% decline in the multiples that people pay for earnings. Earnings actually grew last year, but the, what you paid for those earnings fell pretty significantly, which led to the overall contraction in the market. Now, there's likely more of that ahead as uh, inflation slowly comes back to wherever it settles, and our expectation is probably going to be somewhere around 4%. And also as a result of what could be an earnings recession next year, if the U.S. economy slips into a recession, then we should expect some sort of contraction in profit growth um, or, or profits, and, and that probably would be something on the order of 10%. When we put the two together and look at valuations, what we find is that in the American markets, valuations are really not terribly below their 25-year their average. In places like Europe, uh, significantly below. Valuations have gotten exceptionally cheap. And then in places like the emerging markets, still pretty much like the United States, around the average. So there's probably more to go as we reset into a more normal operating environment, both in terms of the quantity and price of money and um, assets, asset prices, relational value to that price of money. Now, when we think back about what happened last year, you know, all that market volatility, um, several significant market reversals within a downtrend. So we had very powerful rallies, even though the overall trend of the market was lower. That is something that we're likely to see continue this year. Last year, those rallies looked to us to be counter-trend rallies, or more simply put, bear market rallies. Given the fundamentals of tighter money and a possible recession, uh, it looks to us that this bear market has more to run. Now, the past is, is never perfectly repeat, but it certainly does echo. And a mild recession, if should it occur uh, in this environment, will likely 
cause equities to fall another 10% from current levels. So we should be thinking about um, um, ultimately lows being put in around 3,200 to 3,300 on the S&P 500. And one of the accompanying um, um, realities of this uh, of the new year ahead is more volatility. And if we look at the volatility differentials between the equity market and the stock market, what we find is that the bond market is, is telling us that something is terribly amiss, whereas the equity market is more sanguine. Equity market volatility is significantly below that of bond market volatility. Which one is right begs the question. The way that we see it, it looks like the bond market investors probably have a better line of sight on things than the equity market investors because they are looking at both the price and quantity of money and uh, the intersection of inflation on that. Uh, whereas equity market investors seem to be hoping that earnings will hold in, inflation will come down just enough, and then we'll see a pivot in rate uh, interest rate policy. All of which, hopeful, while we're hopeful, probably we're not giving much credence to happening uh, in the early part of next year. And then finally, we should talk about the dollar. Uh, it's easy to overlook, um, but it's important to consider as we move through interest rate normalization. It is very possible that we've seen the peak in the strength of the dollar in this cycle. It, it, the dollar peaked around the end of September, early October. Since then, central banks around the globe have really leaned into trying to arrest inflation in their economies. And so the interest rate differentials are starting to narrow between the United States and the rest of the world. And with that narrowing of interest rate differentials, the dollar should start to weaken once again, come off the mighty highs that it achieved late last year. Now, this is going to have implications for uh, investing. And so it starts to make international markets much more appealing than they have been. Uh, it starts to change the nature of, of capital flows and liquidity flows around the world. Uh, and it is something that we'll be watching very closely for opportunity as well as risk in 2023. So finally, when we're thinking about um, uh, the year ahead, uh, 2023, in many respects, is going to be a continuation of 2022 in that the policy changes well underway will continue. Uh, the fight of infl inflation will become more of a global flight fight as central banks around the globe lean into the problem. Uh, volatility, of course, looks like it continues as the path to rate normalization continues. And the big question remains, will there be a recession in 2023 or not? Now, it looks like the probability is quite is increasing um, uh, by the day that a recession is possible. That would occur. But that's not it's not uh, a foregone conclusion at this juncture. So as we look through the year, uh, we're, we look for opportunities, and those opportunities will likely come somewhere around the middle of the year. And until then, we continue to assess where the opportunities are, where the risks might be, and how we'll respond to them. And with that, Austin, over to you. Thank you, Hans. Um, I had two questions. Uh, as, as you went through your presentation, uh, you've made the point, and I think we've talked about that, the past can provide some guidelines, a little bit of roadmaps, indicators about what might happen in the future. You've talked about in past periods where the markets continue to go down um, and forecasting that we may not necessarily be done with, with a uh, decline. What would be a trigger, particularly thinking about the equity markets here in the United States, um, that the end has come and that we have reached the bottom and that things are going to start to turn? 
Yeah, so, so just this notion that the past doesn't repeat perfectly, but it certainly echoes. And that's what we saw last year with the, 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 the action of the S&P 500 relative to the action that you could see, uh, you would observe back in the 2000 bear market. And I think, Austin, what, what the, the, there are a couple of drivers there that we'd be looking for. One, uh, if, it do, if we do get a recession, we need to see the earnings come down, right? Mm -hmm. So earnings will fall. And if they fall somewhere on the order of another 10 percentage points from where they are right now, that'll put us in the neighborhood of about $200 per share. And if at that same time we see this continued resetting of the multiple that we were talking about, um, and we got to a point where maybe we could buy you know, depressed earnings at a 15 multiple, which reflects a higher inflationary environment, one could feel pretty confident that over a five-year time period, you're going to make money with that. So we'd be much more enthusiastic if we saw earnings come down mm -hmm. and the multiple continue to contract somewhere in the neighborhood of about a 15. Right now, we're just about 17. And your sense of that is that's probably, I think, based on your comments, that's probably more in the middle of the year time horizon than the the early part of the year or the end part of the year. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think we'll start to see uh, we'll start to see it unfold, uh, really probably in the second quarter, um, and and the, the multiple bit will continue on as the as interest rates continue to to rise on the part of Federal Reserve. So we'll see interest rates rise in uh, January, February, uh, and then we'll be watching to see what happens on the earnings side. So. What would be a similar trigger or indicator that you would be looking for as you think about investing outside the United States? It's, it's the dollar, interestingly enough, because the valuations seem to us to be already there. I mean, they're significantly below 25-year averages, especially in Europe. With the currency now rolling over, the dollar rolling over, which means that other currencies are strengthening, mm -hmm. having, um, so you get a one-two, right? You get icing on the cake, and who, everyone likes icing, right? And so if you, have a, if you have a weaker currency, that's the icing because the, the, the value of that foreign currency now goes up relative to yours. So it's a bit of a tailwind. And international equities, Austin, have had a headwind now for a bit. Uh, and that could be very well changing in 2023. And that, that might be the big surprise. And that might be the surprise. Speaking of big surprises, every year at, on this meeting, we always talk about what are we going to get surprised by um, yeah. or what would be a wish or something that would be a change that maybe most people may not be evaluating or thinking about. Do you have any this year? Well, I, I have some, some surprises and some wishes. Okay. So, so I would be surprised... Um, if we get some really good, but it's needed, surprise if we got, if we got really good coherent policy around energy. Because hmm. um, when you think about what we've gone through, what the Europeans have gone through, what we've gone through, price differentials between energy in the middle of the United States versus the East Coast and the West Coast, I mean, it screams for a more coherent and intelligent and systematic approach to our energy infrastructure and our laws that allow for energy to get to various parts of the country under favorable circumstances. Mm -hmm. And these are old laws that need, uh, uh, need to be addressed. And, and it really has an impact on economic activity because energy is one of the fundamental feedstocks of any economy. Right. So that's number one. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but if we were to, to get that in a bipartisan way, that would be a complete surprise and well overdue. 
Um, the second is probably is a wish, uh, is that in 2023, I don't have to talk about the Federal Reserve. I, I don't think that's going to happen this year. Happen. Uh, okay. But it's a fervent wish okay. to be able to talk about something other uh, than than uh, the, the central policy. bank. Yeah, yeah. Um, and really speak more to about what companies do, what their earnings are, uh, where the opportunities are, not have the, the, the narrative flooded by uh, the policy change in the central bank, which has really trumped everything, certainly in 2022. Any other surprises? Other surprises? Um, well, I, we might be surprised. The outside surprise in, is we actually don't fall into a recession in 2023. That if you look at, and, and you know, we did a piece on this, uh, you and I talked about this in the prior, I think our last um, um, Session, broadcast, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that if you look at the elements of the U.S. economy through the same lens that the folks who call recessions and expansions, yep. economy's not in recession. And when you look at the labor market now, it's, it's in pretty good health, mm. right? And so the, the thing that might surprise everyone, and if you talk about history echoing, you know, back in 1979 when there was a big shift in Fed policy, Everyone inside the Fed and outside the Fed that year was convinced the economy was in recession, wasn't in recession, and it didn't go into recession. Actually, it grew, and I think um, 2023 could be that could be the surprise. 1979, yeah, that could be the surprise. All right. Well, we have our our wishes and our surprises. Well, excellent. Well, thank you, Hans, uh, and thank you for joining us for our 2023 uh, beginning of the year market outlook. Uh, and we look forward to uh, reconvening in the three months uh, to, to take this journey together. I'd also like to express appreciation to our audience for joining us. We hope that you found the discussion useful. We're experiencing an uncertain time in the economy and markets. At Fiduciary Trust, we have extensive wealth planning, investment, trust, tax, and other expertise to help our clients navigate through it and achieve their goals. I encourage you to access some of our knowledge through insights on our website, at fidtrustco.com, as well as by reaching out to your fiduciary trust officer or to Rick Tyson at 617-292-6799 or at tyson at fiduciary-trust.com. Thanks again for joining us. The opinions expressed in this material are as of the date issued and subject to change at any time. They discuss general market conditions and trends and should not be construed as investment advice. Any reference to specific securities are for illustrative purposes only and are not intended to be and should not be interpreted as recommendations to purchase or sell such securities. Nothing contained herein is intended to constitute investment, legal, tax, or accounting advice, and you should discuss any proposed arrangement or transaction with your investment, legal, or tax advisor. Copyright Fiduciary Trust Company. <music>